welcome to No Pyro No Podcast. Today we have Dan, Howdy Duty, Derek, What's going on, everybody? And myself, Brian. So in episode 17, we are loaded up. First, we had a moment with Coach Tommy K after the end of the season. We also have a season wrap-up for the U23 club. And we also wanted to recognize some special players and moments with our inaugural No Pyro No Podcast Awards. And we also want to look at how the rest of the NPSL playoffs finished out. Let's start with what Coach Tommy had to say. Coming up now. Joining us now is Armada U23 coach Tommy Krasanovich. Tommy, how are you doing today? I'm good, you guys. Thanks for having me again. All right, good. We're glad to have you back. So you're, you're I think you're our first repeat guest. So uh, congratulations, wow. congratulations on that. So we've got a few questions for you. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and lead off. So uh, this is sort of a two-part question. What were your goals going into the season? And what was met versus what was not met? Yeah. Um, I, I won't be able to go over all of it. Uh, sure. quite uh, an extensive amount that we had discussed in our, in our team meeting functions and what we wanted to go and how we wanted to go about it. But obviously the overall goal um, was to, to win the championship. Um, to go all the way to finals and, and win the championship. Um, from there, well, obviously, we set ourselves objectives and how we wanted to do so and how we wanted to go about it. Um, and not just from a soccer perspective, but also from a human side, uh, technical side, tactical side, better understanding the game. So overall, better improving the player, um, trying to connect the community with that. So there's... An extensive amount that we've talked about on what we wanted to do and what we had set ourselves forth. Um, some we accomplished, some we didn't, and 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 yeah, here we are. Were there any that you like to touch on that you that you were you know surprised that you did make or that uh, you know we in the, like in the business world we talk a lot about like stretch goals and things like that. Did you have any anything that you, that was not necessarily not expected, but uh, like exceeded your expectations? Yeah, I mean like. A couple of the biggest things were obviously we're disappointed we, we didn't advance out of the uh, semifinal within the conference. Uh, that's that's a given. Um, the expectation was not only to advance from there, but the expectation was to get to to set the tone that we had set from last year um, and and go beyond that. So that was obviously disappointing. Um, we wanted to do better and and. Looking back on that, we feel like we know where the mistakes. You know, feel like we know where the mistakes were, where the mistakes lay, uh, lie. Um, but we also wanted to focus on a lot of positives, and that's when you you start talking about that human side and, and player side. I mean, even after you know, even after everything, and 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 trust me, no, you know. As a as a supporter, you 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 feel for yourself. As a as a player, you feel for yourself. As a coach and as an organization, you feel for all right away. You know, and right. Um, we we carry the burden of having to to have that pressure on us to to not let down the community. You know, and so that's where we are, and that's probably where it hurt the most. Um, but we look at we look at it. Um, we look at the individual side of things, we look at player side of things, and we look at how many things we've improved, how many individual players we've improved over the last just short 
two and a half months that we were together, um, players that came in that were just in a different mindset to to walk away and go, I can't I can't wait to get back next year, you know. Um, so that was good to hear and good to see, and it didn't it didn't destroy the group. The group still really has strong. We know what we need to do now. The tough thing is that we obviously have to wait another nine to ten months before we get to see each other again. So, yeah, that is the hard part for uh, for all of us. I know. Yeah. Hey, Tommy, um, what do you think was like the greatest challenge that maybe you faced this year as a coach? Is there anything in particular that was just uh, you know just a tough thing for you? It was, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, it was our uncontrollables. You know, we talk a lot about what we can control and what we can't, what we can influence and what we can't. And we tried to influence our uncontrollables as much as we could. And in the end, we just couldn't. We we had a situation with um, a positional need up top that we, we didn't have. We had, we brought in three players and add to that Charles Alundu because he was around um, as the fourth target nine. And, mm-hmm. you know, from from Charles to the other three having injuries, just, it just, we couldn't, we couldn't help it. We couldn't control it. And, you know, that's, that was probably the biggest challenge that we faced because <clears throat> if you have at least one or two of those guys that, that are, that are giving you those minutes that are doing those things that they needed to do. Um, you know, we look different. We set, we set ourselves up differently in the, in the last regular season game and, and go differently into the conference game. I mean, the semi final of the conference game as well, you know, but not, not to take away from what the boys that have played up top at all, you know, like some of them have come in, done a really good job. We just didn't have consistency there, and we were we lacked that, and that was a big challenge. Do you feel that uh, every player took the opportunity to contribute on or off the field this season? Was there anyone that you wanted to be able to talk about had a had a great moment, maybe off the field through the season that you were aware of? Yeah, I think I think most of the players did everything they, that they could. Um, I don't want to talk specifically about anyone. But I, I, I am proud of every, everyone that's that's come forth and, and contributed to the group the best that they could. Um, whether it was enough or it wasn't enough, that's something that myself and that player will have actually literally will still have conversations on because the next step from here is to connect with all. Um, and basically what we said is, look, you have to figure out and make up your mind if you want to come back next year. And from there... We as a staff will let you know if you are if we are bringing you back. So there are some things that we are going to look at differently this this time around for next year. Is one we're going to look at the performance that they have within their college programs and setups as well. Um, we're not going to just open a door to anyone back. We obviously want to know who we want to bring back. We want to bring back those that have contributed um, and those that we feel like could have done more. We will have honest conversations with and. And, and, and either encourage them to do something over the next nine months where we can see results or um, just walk different paths. So, Tommy, um, we were able to speak with a f- uh, f- all your players while they were at the Section 904 awards ceremony. And 
most of them were mentioned the Armada culture and how they want to be here to take the club to the next level. Um, what are the core principles that you look to build for that culture? Well, it's core principles that already exist. I mean, you, you talk about work ethic, you talk about a winning mentality, um, you talk about passion, you talk about four or five different core values that we've discussed within our team meetings um, that we want to that we want to portray not only during games, but also during training sessions. Um, and looking at some of the games, I feel like we could have done a better job in, in, in some regard because it didn't look, we didn't always look to, to the core. We didn't look, how should I say, the identity that we as, an, as, as Armada the last two years had. But what we don't talk about is some of the challenges that we've had off the field in order to bring that back out. And we, we know. We know what those challenges were. It's, we're not sitting here and guessing, oh, could we have done this or could we have done that? We know what those challenges were. We, we, we've already started working on those, those things so that when we do come back next year, we already actually know that we're expecting to perform at, at a level where supporters are coming out, fans are coming out, people are coming out, not just to watch a game and, and a win and a loss, but to watch players wearing the badge give everything that they have 100%, 100% of the time, right? And that's kind of when you talk about core values is we haven't, although, although we talk about it and we, we've, we've mentioned them, we've discussed them and we've sat down and elaborated on them, we haven't really brought those in. And I mean, not brought those in, we haven't really uh, performed and, and, and brought those out. So there are definitely some things that, that we want to do different going into next season. Um, again, there are some challenges that we faced, but what we don't want to do, and I said this during the, 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 the um, Section 904 award um, ceremony as well, is what we don't want to do is make excuses. It's not, it's not, it's not us. We don't want to say, oh, this should have been done better or this should have been done better or we could have been here and there and we could have done this differently. No, we, we, we have to suck it up and we know what we need to do moving forward and we have a very, very clear plan on how to do so and expect to be better next year than we were this year. Nice. And uh, many of those players, uh, they've been around the program for the last few seasons. A couple of them, um, like Cole Reasonover and uh, Ethan Dudley, made a comeback. And they've been around since the 2019 season when Pat Cannon was the coach. Um, how important is it to have a core group of players that have not only been around the club for as many years, but also developed their skills here in the Jacksonville area? I mean, really important, you know, you want to provide a platform for players that are local, um, just like Cole or just like Ethan, um, to be able not only to help them, but also then help the organization and, and, and bring out the things that we need that we've worked on for years with and even within the academy. So, you know, everything has to connect, you know, one way or the other. Um, but you also have to think about this, you know, what happens when there's a pro team Again, obviously the focus will then be on the pro team. The 23s, the U23s, will then become the stepping stone to obviously get into a pro team. And so you're going to treat it a little bit different. Right now we're treating it to the highest standards. Through The expectations are very high. 
Um, again, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't budget for our players. We don't have any financial support for our players. We, they come in and on the expectation that this is the organization they want to be with. This is the culture they want to be in with. And this is where they they can individually improve to take their game to the, to the, to the next level. And so when you, when you do those things and you have those standards set in place and you're clear on your expectations, um, whether you have a pro team above you or not, it, the, the ultimate goal is to create professional players, right? So when you do that, you know, regardless of whether you're U23 or whether you're a professional team, you're always looking to improve the players to, to, to be the best that they can be. Um, and I think that's why you have the likes of Cole, you have the likes of Ethan, you have the likes of so many of the academy boys that want to be part of it. Um, you always have somebody, you have, we never say, we never force anyone to come in. You know, we, we open our doors and we have honest conversations. Um, if somebody wants to experience something different, that's perfectly fine. But we are always going to be committed to the ones that are committed to us. And, and, um, and yeah, I think, I think setting those tones and expectations early on is probably what, what makes those guys believe and buy in. So um, you, you touch base about the academy. Um, you had some young players that became regulars in the squad this past year. Uh, to know Micah Thomas, Gavin Penzone. Um, who you've coached actually at various levels outside of the Armada. Um, how proud are you as a coach seeing them develop not only as players, but into the people that they're becoming? Oh, so so proud. I mean, you know, you have Gavin Pinzone, you have Micah Thomas, you have Cole Reasonover, you have Miles Shanley. Gosh, you have, you know, Pearson Alberti, who unfortunately had um, an ACL injury early on um, and would have been a detrimental part of the of the group as well. So yeah, immensely proud. You know everything that you work on, and 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 when you create linearity to whether they're U thirteen, U fourteen, fifteen, nineteen, it doesn't matter. It's all to prepare them for these moments, so that the, when they are ready for either college or professional, the the professional game, then then you know you 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 see the fruits of that. And so you know for me, those are those are no brainers. Um, sometimes. You know, we have to be careful with how fast and how soon we expose them to that level. Obviously, I can tell you right now, every U19 player feels like they're ready for it. You know, you give them a glimpse of a training session. You give them a glimpse of being rostered. You know, those little things, making the trip, and they commit to it. Um, and then when they get the chance, we are very careful about when they do get the chance, they don't fail, right? Are they ready or are they not ready? And when they're, sometimes they're not ready. That's just, you know, it could be a game game in between, a game decision where, you know, you might not be ready this game, but next Wednesday you are because this is just the normal things. And so not only very, very proud of them, but we're also very careful in, 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 in how, we, how, we, um, how we create this environment for them so that they're set up for success. Hey, Tommy, I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit. Who are the staff that supported the club this year that we may not already know? Uh, what did they do for the club? Uh, we're just looking for somebody that we may not have already heard of or talked about. Yeah, as you have. Uh, let's see. So obviously, look from from Nathan. You obviously guys know and and what he does and how much. I mean, he's almost at every training session. If he's not at a training session, he's he's out in in, in a meeting concerning the Armada. And so obviously, it goes top down from there. Um, you know, you talk about the operational staff. Um, from Rich Santos to Corbin 
to to Lou and and all their responsibility. Zach Savage was coming this year. Lance was coming this year. We've always you know even outside of the game and outside of their responsibilities have been able to show true character and 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 really really have we've seen that how how well they fit in. You go into uh, Diego and 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 Becca or the social media. Um, Lexi, um, for the photography people, you know, you go into um, the athletic trainers with um, Zoltan, who's uh, stepped up big time this year, and 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 we obviously hope to bring back um, next year as well because of the connection he has, because of the background he has as a player as well, and understanding the needs of players when they are injured. You talk about Brian, um, exactly, the, also an athletic trainer. You talk about George Barry. Who who is on site as a doctor, um, just like it used to be when we were at a, at a as a you know at, a, at the pro level, um, who's able to give you direct information in real time, do this thing. So there's a lot of moving pieces to that side, and then of course you talk about the technical stuff. You talk about Matthew Rawls, you know, who's been fantastic, um, someone that I'm very very fond of. Um, obviously, you know, it, you know, having Jack. Uh, and Scott last, the last couple of years um, has been fantastic. Scott had to take a bit of a step back because of his, all of his commitments, but not you know Maddie wasn't rewarded because Scott took a step back. Maddie was rewarded because of his knowledge, because of the things that he does um, on and off the field, the way he thinks, and you know where where he and I can have an honest conversation and say, you know, not always agree, but also sometimes disagree and say, well. Let's, let's consider this and let's think about this. And that's really what makes a good staff. You know, you you have Gilly, Patrick Gilly, who used to be a player with us and, and became a goalkeeper coach. Also a little bit restricted, obviously, because of his work, but made things work and has been fantastic for us. Um, and, of course, Scott uh, was with us on and off, as well as Pat Cannon, you know, my mentor and um, who's been able to come out to as early as the Open Cup game, just to give different different things and advice and 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 consult. But overall, you you look at this technical staff. Everyone brings something different to the table. Everyone knows their roles and responsibilities. Um, so that if I'm out because I have a newborn, you know the thing the thing doesn't just stop. The thing it's a machine. It it keeps going. It continues going. You know, I'm, I'm not for, I'm not one who who likes to take over tra- every training session and do everything. I'm one who delegates responsibilities so that staff can also feel like they can take leadership. Because in the end, you know, Maddie wants to at some point take a bigger role. Gilly wants to at some point take a bigger role. Scott and Pat, you know, obviously different di- different interests in what they want to do, but. That's, that's the name of the game, and that's how we want to operate. We want to be the best we can be, and we want to put people within a room that are like-minded, but that can give you different things and different qualities. And shout, out, time. shout out to Maddie for uh, uh, being undefeated this season. So, 100%. Uh, Listen, if, yeah. hey, <laughs> every one of my assistant coaches has always been undefeated, and that's why. Yeah. Matt, Matty Isles, 24, uh, 2024 head coach. Yeah, I'll say this but whole then, time, I'm, I've just been imagining you shaking hands, making eye contact to everyone around around the club. Yeah. And, you know, thank you, everyone, for, for all the support that you've given this year. And we, we all appreciate it as fans, obviously. We, you know, 
we we put nothing more than just our own passion into it and we know that you know what you do means a lot to us too so i wanted to take a moment and say and recognize those people as well thank you yeah for sure um i hope i didn't forget anyone so if i did i apologize but if, if you do let me know we could just edit it back in yeah. so we'll, we'll figure out a way to to weave that back in uh, when we put this out now i also want to ask about um something that was kind of unique this year uh the hms dauntless match you know how did that come to be and also like if you ask me uh that looked like it was maybe a peak for the club this year whether it was like a spiritual morality kind of thing but how did you feel about that encounter with the royal navy uh for that exhibition yeah i mean so it's it's, it's funny they so they reached out <clears throat> i mean obviously what, what a what a great event not just for us but but also for the players for the community to tie it all together and also for them um they're they I actually just talked to to their to their coach um, a couple of days ago. Again, we were messaging, and they'll they'll be back in August, and they'll look to do something uh, now with JFC as far as uh, the, the staff versus uh, staff game, you know. Um, but what a great event because not only does it connect everything that we do um, off the field as well, and what we stand for. Um, sharing the very, diff, uh, very, very, very uh, much same values as well, and how we approach the game. But the way it really came about was they they reached out. Uh, we got an email from them, and we jumped on it right away. And when we met with them, for them to see what it would look like, for them to watch a training session and, and see where the game would be held, because obviously, you, you know, it's not as easy as just saying, "Hey, let's let's do a pickup." soccer it's mm-hmm. they have to go through a protocol uh permission uh, documentation all of that to be able to to be let out and to be able to do the things that they need to do right so um they came in two weeks later and said yeah you guys we reached out to every organization within within the community and you guys were the only ones that came back to us that is so awesome yeah saying uh saying you're interested in the game so we wanted to treat it for me it was um the timing was important obviously it wasn't it had to be um uh, we knew that they were restricted on certain timing and certain days so we had to make that work first logistically um then i had to think about how do we connect it with the players and 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 the amount of minutes that players would receive um so that it doesn't impact the game and 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 yeah and so we made it all work and it turned out to be a really, really good event. And to uh, to note for the players, uh, we I don't think it affected them too much because that next uh, game they won, I think five nothing. So yeah. <laughs> maybe we should schedule that game every week. Yeah, no, I mean, look again, you know, the technical side of it, we know what's missing. We know we knew what was missing. You know, even within that game, you have almost all components when everyone's healthy and to make it work and you know we sometimes you know things don't go as planned and sometimes you can't control those things and um you wish you could but you can't and you have to move on you have to look into plan b plan c plan d and see what works and it's it's not just us i mean it happens everywhere it happens at, at the international level it happens at the professional level collegiate youth it happens everywhere and you know, at the end, when you compare last year to this year, is last year we were so much more prepared. 
not because of everything that we've done as a staff, but because of the players we had available all the time. And so even this year, when you looked at the size of the roster, which which was always a, a hot topic, I know, early on, was connecting the Open Cup roster to the summer roster and managing expectations and who we would have, who we wouldn't have. Um, it was it was definitely challenging, and we felt like we had a good roster. And, yeah, in, in the end, we just unforeseen un, un, unforeseen events that took place in, in regards to physical management and just, just couldn't help it. So, Tommy, what does the rest of 2023 look like for you? Uh, is it possible that you're going to be involved with the UPSL club at JFC? Yeah, for sure. So that's it's something that I thought needed to be done at, at the youth level um, to expose our players. A, bigger, a, a different level of play from the MLS Next. And so when we did that the first time around, it was actually when Cole Reasonover was part of that, part of that group, a U19 group. We went, we went into that situation, thought about the last couple of years of how do we make it even better. So we started bringing players in that are local, um, just like Joseph Toby and, and, and others. Um, and now we're looking at, for this year, um, for the first time, we, we, we're develop, we've developed so many players so deep that instead of saying, hey, you know what, now we have to make a decision on 20 players, why not be able to supplement the UPSL with the MLS next and vice versa and have that U19 group be really be exposed and challenged to um, to both things. And so going in with a 28-man roster in the U19s, um, some only playing UPSL, of course, but that are that are true U19s, we may have two or three overflow, overflow players, um, uh, such, as, such as Jed Bowman, who will look to be involved, Jamal Johnson, who wants to be involved because he's a part of the club as well, and 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 possibly another one or two players um, that were part of the group last year to mix them in with the U19s and again continue doing what we've been doing is developing players for the next level. Um, so that UPSL side of things, I will definitely be involved. I will I will I will take on the responsibility of uh, head coach this year for that. Um, by- oh, cool. And, and simultaneously run the MLS next, but it'll be the exact same exact same setup. It'll be this is the team. This is the team that trains. There 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 won't be any inconsistency, and we'll have the roster made off uh, made up off of the same players that are always training together. So you know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and you know it'll be hard, but also having individuals like Pat Cannon around, um, Matthew Alves around, who are also now part of this part of the JFC Youth Club. It, it, I'm, I'm confident us going in and developing a, a, a program that can be successful. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. it's great to hear. Great to hear. All right, so we're just going to wrap things up. I think last time you were here, we talked about uh, pineapple on pizza, um, which kind of sparked some uh, debate. So I think uh, this time we're going to ask you. Uh, you're 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 attending a, a, a sporting event as a as a spectator. What, what, what's your go to snack? Would it be would it be a hot dog? Would it be a hamburger? <laughs> It'd be a beer. Be a beer. Okay, to go go along with your beer. My God. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't usually when I go to a sporting event. I usually don't eat, but you just drink. Uh, yeah, I just I just have a beer. Liquid diet. That's all I have. I'll have uh, I'll have a good meal before, and uh, I'll have uh, yeah, liquid diet. That's it. Right. Tommy K is a man for the people. I love it. 
for the people of the people by the people. All right, Tommy, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, hopefully we can have you back uh, during the off season. Sure. We're going to keep, try to keep this thing going for the next nine months. And we look forward to having you back with us. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you very much, Tommy. No, and, Thanks, and Tommy. And a big thank you to you guys, obviously, not only for, for, for always being there and, and supporting the, the, the group, but also for setting something up, coming outside of your comfort zone, doing the No Pyro, No Podcast. Uh, it's been brilliant. Uh, oh, thank you. Know, you. Tra- uh, traffic you guys are also getting and, and, and the players talk about it and it's, it's good. You know, it's, it's again, it's another thing where, where the players feel, feel more professional and more belonging to and really connect to, to you guys as well. So thank you guys for doing that and, and, and giving everyone a platform to be able to speak. That's awesome. Thank you for that, Tommy. It's been a learning experience for us all, and I think we've gotten better and better, at least I like to think so. So who knows where we'll be by the time of the uh, start of the season next year. Thanks for your time, Tommy. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. And we're back. So let's go ahead and run through um, just a quick recap of the, uh, the season. So where do we want to start? I guess we'll start at the beginning. Tallahassee on the road for the opener. 1-1 one, one one, draw. 1-1. One. Yeah, Miles got us up with goal, and then Kevin Lowe came back and tied it up at the death. Kind of a, like kissing your sister is the way I felt at that end of the game. Yeah. What about you guys? Yeah, like I think we, we were all there, right? And it was a little bit of a rambunctious uh, evening. Very, very, uh, went into that with very, uh, left there with very mixed emotions. It was kind of like, Hmm. Is this season going to be a little bit different? Well, it's, we, we, we're still without a lot of people. So it's. I, I, I thought that we had enough to win that game. I was excited that Edu Coimbra was back, but it you could tell we were missing some serious players for that game. Well, coming into Tallahassee, it was also. This is a Tallahassee club that didn't win at all the last season. So. Yeah, but when we did the season preview, all of us thought the floor for Tallahassee was the five seed, but we had, they they were realistically had a chance to make the playoffs. Like all of us thought that they would be improved, which right. they were. And I think if you go back so, to to that episode, I said you know we gave them a lot of hope, right? Um, at least I said that was my feeling. Well, that, that was that. that was last year, but it, you're right. It, this year it gave them a lot of hope too. Like for. Yeah. For uh, like five weeks into the year, they're playing that uh, the underdog and everyone's favorite loser that, that they're having the miracle season. You're the underdog, and it's just like no, they, they had a solid team. So okay, I guess we'll move on to week number two. Uh, one so that was that. Uh, yeah, States. that was the one where we went up a goal early. I think it was. I forget who scored that goal. But then um, I think it was Edu, honestly, that scored the goal. And yes, then Ludo Tom got that red card. And for the next 15 minutes, we tried to hold on. They broke through. And then it was kind of back and forth at the end of the game. And all of a sudden, two games, two points, and automatically we were going to end up with a worse, worse record than last year. Well, but we did have Bishop Kenny. I mean, you can't, you can't expect to repeat a... One draw and remainder win kind of season, but yeah. But what was what was your expectations going into the year? I was expecting that we would lose a game at home. 
<laughs> Which we did. Honest. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Brian. Yeah, no problem. But no, I mean, I was expecting us to to still finish top of the season, but not you know also win the playoffs. But we won't get into that. Yeah, I I, I thought our goal would probably be to finish in the top ten nationally, win the conference, and see if we can make a run. Two points out of six in the first two games. That's that really didn't help the cause. So, and then we had a red card, and that was honestly, I believe, the last game that we saw Ludo Tom. Part of it, I think, was just you suspended for the next game, but yeah. also we started getting Mason Tunbridge back. We started getting the roster uh, was full. Yeah. Toby McCollum. We had Teddy West. We had uh, Linus Dahl. Like it was a pretty stacked midfield there. And as good as he is, and he's very talented, and he showed it in like the Open Cup. Those moments right there, it's going to be hard to keep your place in the team. When the other guys aren't getting uh, those poor fouls or poor turnovers, so that was that was my biggest takeaway from that Southern States game. That and Bishop Kenny being such a pretty venue, I love that place. Yeah, yeah, that, that was going to be so, like I, be my I, I wish like RP would just fork over the money to move their track and expand that field and like just make it their home venue, kind of like what. Detroit City does with um. It's not going to happen. Though. I know it's not, but a man can dream. Yeah, you can dream. But uh, so after the one-one draw against Southern States, Armada are on the road again. They visit you guys Kansas went there. City. Yeah. Yes, we did. The it first was... time I think anyone from the SG came came to Panama City. That they had the best uh best grand, right? No. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. I I almost oh, had them confused the with thing. someone else. <laughs> no. Well, it was an unimpressive scram, but what was impressive was uh, the Alandu special, scoring multiple goals. Well, not only him, he had two. Toby, I know, scored one. Toby had that banger. Yeah. I think Edu had two, and I think Angus Taylor had a couple. Like, everyone yeah. was getting them in pairs that game, and our defense was given up in pairs, too. Uh, like, the Roots played awful that game and somehow got two big break moments that they found the net twice on on mistakes out of the back so what do they say a broken a broken clock is right twice a day so there you go right so we felt like it was probably on the winning track we were going to have that next game at home we had it at, uh against Pensacola and we win all of a sudden we're back at a uh two points per game two points per game which over the course of the season that's Kind of where you want to be or north of that. We won 2-1 against Pensacola. I think we had goals from Gio, Gio Vaccaro, I think, had the first one. And then uh, Keegan Anselin had the second one. And uh, the score, in the first half, I just remembered Pensacola only had one opportunity the whole uh, in the whole first half. And their one opportunity put them up one nothing. So it was good seeing the boys fight back. Yeah, Michael Lightborn. And um, but for the most part, we looked dominant for the the like I thought we've played a very complete game, even better than the Roots game, uh, because we almost had three or four goals that game. We just didn't find the back of the net. So, like for me personally, I thought we had a little more hope going into the season. We're back on the right track. We got New Orleans the next week uh, for the Memorial Day game, and. We're, we found our groove again. 
Yeah, that was the end of the Bishop Kenny tour, that Pensacola game. Okay. Um, what was your thoughts, Dan? We we looked, you know, like I said, we, we looked solid, but there you go again, uh, not putting you know not putting goals in the back of the net like we should. Our, our finishing was still uh, lacking. Um, and still no of, clean sheets. And yep, up there you go. Bring up another one of my my bugaboos is uh, the lack of oh, clean great. sheets. And, and we're going into the New Orleans game, which we lost two to one. And we're going to bring up one of Dan's other points was set pieces. Set pieces, right? Yep, there you go. So both of them were scored. The first one, it was a indirect free kick that just bounced in front of the box. No one cleared it, and everyone just stared at each other. And then the second one, I didn't see it because the camera didn't show it, but they called a penalty on Cole Reasonover, and they got the PK, and um, Sheldon Green ended up putting that one away. I forget who scored for us. I, I want to say it had to be Edu because he had like five goals in like the first five games, I think. Um, so he was he was playing solid at there. I can actually look that up real quick. Actually, no, it was Gio, uh, Giancarlo Vaccaro had a second goal of the year. So um, I thought that was a very like we're. I felt that we are missing something like. Now we're at eight points over five games, and I just like you could tell this season isn't last season. Yeah, same same for me. Um, you touched on it at the beginning was the uh, the you know again the set pieces sort of let us down. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that, that, that bugs me, right? I mean, I, I know you know. A lot, you know, a lot of teams have issues with set pieces and things like that, but it just seems like we don't do enough or didn't do um, with our set piece work, both defending and um, attacking. Yeah. So, but we had a nice little break there um, after the NOLA game. And during that break of 17 days, we had a uh, exhibition, which was kind of cool, against His Majesty's Navy uh, the, in the Dauntless ship that came in through there. Um, I was actually fortunate enough to make that game. The guys were a complete class, and uh, it's it was a great little exhibition. Uh, we were able to field like uh, three different lineups, and they played uh, about everyone played about 30, 20, 30 minutes a piece. And I thought it was a fun little thing. It was great for morale. Everyone was cra- uh, cracking beers after the game uh, and just enjoying themselves. But also, they invited them that uh, ship to come to that next game, which was the Tallahassee game, which at that point, it was pivotal for us. We had to do something. Um, and Tallahassee, at that point in time, I think they were sitting in, like, second place in the table. And Tally was hot. Yeah, they were, uh, they, they, were, they, they were still playing that underdog role of we're undefeated, and this is... This is the year of the underdog, and I forget some of those uh, great things that they were talking about with Cousin Sai and all that. No, Cousin Sai wasn't 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 there yet. Oh, he wasn't there. My no, bad. No, My no, bad. No. I, I was trying to remember. Oh wait, no that that was their game against Pensacola and the game of games and the big yeah. Kahuna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to protect the gene. Yeah, yeah that's protect the gene. the gene. So, but Tallahassee game. Uh, I believe we got up uh, two nothing at one point, but they ended up getting one back. I felt that we were in control of that game, but 
Tallahassee's midfield proved that they had the best midfield in the conference. They were dominating. Even though we were physically empowering over them, Dan's favorite word, work rate, or two words, they had it. So they, they did very well against us. We almost had our first clean sheet of the year, but they got one back uh, right near the end. Yeah, it was our first regular season game back at the friendly confines of Hodges Stadium. Yeah. So now at Hodges, at that point in the year, we're, we're 2-0 and we, because we played Miami United there in the Open Cup um, and had that. Uh, actually, I don't think that goes in the board as a win because it went to penalty kick. So. Yeah, PKs. Oh, yeah, a, so I think it goes as a, 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 a draw that what, won. What a set of PKs that was. Oh, Some that was great. PKs for the history books. You know, yeah. I'll be honest, that might have been the high point of the year for me. And it's kind of sad when you start you have your high point at the uh, very beginning. Um, but if yeah, you're going to have a high point, have it, have it in the Open Cup. Yeah, but that, that's the beauty of the Open Cup. Yeah. So, uh, and plus, like Miami United, you had a, a, a team that – we didn't even have most of our regular guys in there. Um, Micah Thomas, though, was was one of those guys. He scored the goal, got a red card, and we still advanced. Ten PKs uh, and keeper on keeper, and we we won. My interview with Tommy afterwards uh, dropped an f bomb for my first interview with a coach, and they still let us interview him after that. So that was uh... a. <laughs> That was kind of cool. Someone's not listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was only on Twitter. <laughs> so I, I think the team stopped sharing our, um, our our tweets at that for a brief time. <laughs> so my bad, guys. But we back we got back on the winning ways against Salhassie. We played the Roots next. We almost had a two nothing uh, clean sheet. I, I think our goal was to. Uh, win by about like five or something like that um, because we were trying to catch Southern States at the time uh, yeah. on goal differential. We didn't reach that goal, but we, we did still get the three points, which the whole – when we came back from that break, the goal was win five in a row and we control our own destiny. Like we, we win the league if we win out. So that's game two down. Then we had that next one, away day to Pensacola. We won two so nothing. Both, uh, yeah, both you and Dan made the trip for that one. Yeah, the parking lot game. The the Saturday 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 service. Yeah, that that match. Yeah, it will so, always be known as a Saturday service match. Yeah, it, it was memorable for for many 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 reasons. And, and I actually well, got to well friends at marketable sports. Yeah, I was about to call them out too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So our buddies. Well, we could call them out for the. After I left the Tallahassee game, that's that's when we uh, really started getting acquainted with acquainted with yeah, them yeah, that's true. <laughs> during that lightning storm. Right, we got to meet we got to meet face to face. Yeah, that was fun. brought them a pie, so they said it was a good pie. So thank you, Publix. Yeah, made us look good. So we're three for three ever since that Dauntless game in the the break. And then we get New Orleans at home on the on June twenty eighth. And what a shellacking we gave to him. Go up three goals before the half. We get the red card. Edu Coimber just missed his hat trick on his last play. Gavin played out of his mind. Like, there was no bad player. Like, we, people were criticizing us for um, 
not putting Twitter only lets you put four people down for to vote for player of the match. And there was about like 14 solid players that match for the Armada. Best performance of the season. Easily. Yeah. Like it, it if it, the only way we could have done this, if we would have done like a Google's uh Google survey and had everyone go to that other link, like it, it's just sorry for not letting, not putting some people down that deserved it. The whole team just kicked their ass. Like it was amazing. Yeah. And, uh, the low point of that of that night was uh, for me was uh, Kenny Farrell not accepting his uh, Snickers bar. Yeah, we, we made eye contact, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I think, I think he was thinking, "What are you doing here on the field?" And uh, he moved very quickly to the locker room. So yeah, but after that, momentum was up for us. It's four in a row. We're tied with so- we, we actually after that game we take the lead against Southern States for uh, points per game. Um, we learned shortly after that. Uh, they were going to take the lead again because of a forfeit from uh, Florida Roots. Florida Roots, um, which I, I thought Florida Roots were going to do, like play that game. I thought they were on the verge of getting their first result. They went winless. They had no draws, but their last five games they all lost by one goal. They were the team was still fighting, and unfortunately. They just quit on themselves, and they quit on the league. So game came down to a win, or Southern States gets the one seed. Dan and I make that long-ass drive to uh, Hattiesburg and talk about a low Again, point. Again, my second trip to Hattiesburg, second loss come away with. The only again. positive thing that I can take from that game is the fact that because of our streaming issues with the uh, the home venue not being uh, the the Southern States just sucking, um, and our team like trying to improvise to get a stream up last minute, Tallahassee was be able to get better prepared for their stream against them in the playoff game. So it created some good uh, uh, moments in our banter page that we uh, were part of. So that. That was like the only highlight from that that five one loss to Southern States. The high the highlight was uh, getting home on Sunday. Yeah, the highlight was the fact that we ended up going back to Mobile and cut two hours out of that drive for that Sunday. Even though the 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 stove was duct taped, none and of the, the hotel was sketch. shut. Yeah, yeah, and like we wake up with eight cop cars outside of the hotel. Sketches, sketches, hilt I've ever stated. I did that Resident, trip last was, year. And yeah, I it was a residence in. Like I did you... that trip. I was going to say, Derek, I did that trip last year, and I told myself before this season started, I am never going to do this trip again. <laughs> well, you want you you at least saw a win there. Dan and myself have been there uh, twice, twice in the last three years, and they lost both times. And from what I hear, Nathan Walters, uh, he uh, he's been to those same games, so it's uh, I think we're making a pact that we we might all boycott it in the if they play each other in future games there, just to make sure our team has a better chance of winning. This year, I said I wasn't going, and somehow I ended up going. So. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, but that's set up a two v three matchup for us. Uh, Against Pensacola, we played at Edward Waters College. Our third vet home venue of the season. And in my opinion, far worst. 
and we came out flat. Uh, we lost three nothing. I thought we got outworked in the uh, midfield, especially. I think his name was Kamara for Pensacola. It, he had a hell of a game. There's about two or three Pensacola players that played yeah. absolutely great, and we just couldn't find the back of the net. I do remember Gabe on our team. Uh, I thought he had a great match, especially after the 30 minute. He he really worked his tail off to try to make a difference in that game. And uh, even though he didn't find the back of the net or get an assist, I thought he was our best player that game. So that was that was our season um, in a nutshell, uh, in a brief 20 minute rundown. Y'all want to get in some awards? Yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, let's do that. So, uh, MVP, who y'all got? I think MVP might be unanimous among all of us. How about this? We'll count to three. And on three, we're going to say who it is. Or who who we think it should be. Y'all ready? One, two, three. Edu, Edu Yeah. Yeah. Edu, MVP, three three letters. It's, it's that simple. It, it's... I, I've been called... Uh, <laughs> Since he got hurt in the 2022 season, I was telling him he's been the MVP for over a year. And the guy has honestly just proved me right, man. He, I was excited for him to come back, and I hope he's back for another year. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes pro somewhere, but I would love to see that kid back uh, uh, in an Armada uniform for not just next year, but for a long time coming. Edu, to me, proved that the offense strength that we had last year could still exist through him this year. He was the one that was able to deliver, you know, those opportunities the most, I felt, throughout the season. Obviously, you know, uh, was able to capitalize on enough of them to to earn this kind of recognition. So congratulations to you, Edu. Six goals, six assists, like in 11 games. Like he's he was a stud, he was an absolute stud. And also, over since Tommy K's been a coach now for three years, he is second on the list for goal scores with sixteen now. In twenty twenty one, he had five. Twenty twenty two, he had five. Twenty twenty three, he had six. So he's one behind the leader, which is Alex Arides now, uh, for the last three seasons combined. So I, I want to see him. Uh, come back one more year and uh and become the top goal scorer for for this NPSL uh reinvention. So we'll see if he does make the return. So but let's move on to the next award. Brian, um you were kind of a a food connoisseur this season. Yeah, yeah when I when I made it to a game, I made a point to, you know, taste my test my palate. You know, so, take, in take your, a little bit from everywhere. In your opinion, who had the best scran? Home, away, doesn't matter. Soccer related for the NPSL Golf, Conf- Golf Coast Conference. As far as all the NPSL games I attended this year, uh, that award and that recognition has to go to Chili and Chili's Takiro uh, Taco Truck. Okay, this was where the, were they at? This was a food truck in Tallahassee. So, I mean, it was season opener. And so I had their three, their three steak tacos, and by God, it was so freaking good. On a scale of ten, or how, how do you rate your, uh, how do you rate your stuff? Rate my scram? 
Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to do it by tacos now. Okay. So uh, how, scale, at, at, on on a, sc- like one to five, one to ten, how would you rate yeah, it? Yeah, no, I'm going to say one one to three tacos. I'm going to give this three tacos with uh, with some sauce. Oh, so, snap. And the sauce. And stuff. He's oh, got yeah. the sauce. He's got the sauce. He's <laughs> got the sauce. Okay. We all made a few different away days. There, I think we only made one of them all together for all three of us. What was your guys' best away day? Pensacola. Okay. For me, I'd have to be Panama City. I did not make the uh, the Pensacola trip. The away days I made this year for just Tallahassee and and Panama City. So for that well, one, for- I, yeah, I want I want to give recognition to Panama City for it because it was a really great venue. Uh, and it was a little special to me because it was like uh, the first time any of us had been there, finally. Yeah, I agree. So, and also for me, as far as another great thing about the venue is I think we may have had uh, more supporters there than, uh, than the home team. So, so the home game for us. Best away day? I sure you. I can tell you what it wasn't. Sure, hell wasn't Southern States. Fuck that place. Agreed. <laughs> no, uh, it was definitely uh, probably Pensacola. Found a nice little Airbnb, not too far from downtown. The venue was nice. Great memories in the parking lot there, and then uh, downtown uh, vibe before and after, spot on. So I can only speak to, to the before. I can only speak to the before. Uh, yeah. the night owl for the after. You know, it was, it was so. Yeah, and among the three of us, I think the only game that none of us attended, as far as just the three of us, was New Orleans. Yeah, that's correct. correct. Which, if I remember right, I think people might have recognized that as being the best way. So you I know. went there two years ago, or last year, I think it was, when we had the termite game. Maybe it was two years ago. The termite and, game? Oh, my God. It, it There were so <laughs> many termites. It, like, it, yeah, we yeah. couldn't... I was covering myself with a flag just so they wouldn't be in my face. Like, it was the weirdest thing ever. Apparently, one day out of the year, they have a huge termite issue flying around, and it just happened to be the day that we were there for a soccer game. This it's is like, legit uh, the first time I'm hearing this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the wives that were with our group went to the car and sat in the car for like 60 minutes of the game because of the termites. Like it was, <laughs> I remember watching it on TV and it looked like it was raining. It was almost like there was a fog. Yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was insane. It was, but it, New Orleans is fun for me personally, Frenchman street over Bourbon street all day. Uh, give me the museums, the casino, the food. It was great, but, uh, just not on termite day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll so, maybe I'll make that trip next year. I want to always wanted to go to the World War II Museum, so so that's on my bucket yeah. list. Yeah, Mobile was great that year too. I miss Mobile. Hopefully they come back. Yeah, it, maybe we should get um get the pineapple on for uh onto one of our upcoming podcasts. See see if they got anything cooking for uh for the AFC Mobile. See if they got a comeback coming. Yeah, we so, but I digress. All right, so moving on from away day, let's talk about who was for the club. Who, who could we recognize as newcomer of the year? We had a long list of names to, to really discern this from. So, and we, we had to go back on that list too and like clarify rules. Like, because there was a few players who broke into the team this year, but the they, they've been on the team for a few years now. Yeah. So, so ultimately, uh, 
Derek, who who do you think we should recognize then? Just because all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I wanted to vote for either Gavin Penzone or Micah Thomas. But they've been on the roster for at least one previous season. So it kind of just went down to I think uh Toby McCollum for me. And Toby was my actual first choice, personally. I thought that he he came into a club, you know, fresh, entirely new to the roster, and he was an effective player this season, you know, coming as, as a new man. And, and we were excited about him from the opening. You, uh, I remember you told, uh, looked him up and was like, oh, my God, this guy played in, like, four uh, Club World Cups as a kid, and... I know the coaches were talking about a midfielder before the season started that they were really excited about, and we kind of figured it was him once we did a little more research. So it's yeah, I, I don't I felt like he lived up to the hype to me. And he's he's kind of made a the first coast his home now. Yeah, I, I believe he's probably going to play at Flagler. Yeah, he he transferred down. Uh, he transferred down from Memphis, Memphis. and. Uh, now going to be at Flagler, so you, you rumor has it St. John's County uh, uh, residents get free admission. Yeah, so that would be correct. I so only for y'all, y'all can go get that free admission. I will go pay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Boy, so, correct me if I'm wrong. One, one of those games are afternoon games. I'll have to look at the schedule again. It, it's in my work calendar. Uh, I don't, I don't have my work phone in front of me, so it's a. Yeah. Let's move on to the next yeah. category, which is homeliest home. Um, we ended up with a bit of a. Uh, Can we um, eliminate one off the top? Uh, would that be Edward Waters? Yeah. 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 It just it, it just from didn't, the list. Yeah. yeah. It it just didn't feel. It was a nice venue. I'd enjoy it for watching actual like college football games. Right. But yeah. it was not a soccer pitch. And the fact that they wouldn't let us bring the flags on the poles and no smoke, it just... And then, then of course, the match as well. I mean, it's like, I don't know if the place has got a, got a jinx or something like that, but it's, you know, the way that match yeah. went, we were just... Well, I'm not going to blame Edward Waters for the I'm, poor I'm, performance. But... I'll blame all yeah. kinds of people. I'll blame, blame all over the place. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. So but who do we have? How do we, who do we have? I think we ended up with a draw. Well, there, there's three of us. Yeah, there are Ryan, let, go with yours. Well, my vote went for Hodges. You know, I liked I liked the larger stadium. I like the wider view. You know, I'm a guy, I'm a weird guy who will go into the worst seat. I just want to see what the view is like from the worst seat possible in the stadium. And were you not at Bishop Kenny? There was no bad view in that stadium with that river right there. For well, me, it was Bishop pitch, Kenny. But the pitch itself wasn't great. In my opinion, uh, it was that they had the pitch had a crown in the middle, and somebody got down into like that far corner. It's like, say, we were in the far left corner, you couldn't see the uh, far but right. Did, did not only the river add excitement, but the ball boy going missing for about five yes. seconds and well, down, down even more excitement? Yeah, down the hill, heading towards the river. Like, yeah. a, it was like a, a, a pause and then a pause when, when you <laughs> come back over the horizon. <laughs> And I, I was, was mixed. Good. I was mixed between the two of Hodges and Bishop Kinney. And um, Bishop Kinney was beautiful, nice breeze off the river, but that the narrow pitch doesn't suit our style of play. Um, and Hodges so, is Hodges is familiar to us. You know, we spent out of all our venues this year, we spent more time there um, over the years. So 
Okay, so I guess Hodges wins. I mean, if we're just talking Dan, aesthetics. Do you want to introduce this last one? Yeah, so the last one is, uh, there's the one thing I talk about all the time, if you listen to the podcast, at least more than Play once. sheets? No, not clean sheets. Not clean sheets. Clean sheets are important as well as set plays, but it's work rate. So we came up with an award for uh, Dad's Hustle Hero, and um, it was a little bit of a toss-up in my mind, but it had to go this year to the young lad, Gavin Pinzone. Um, just the, the intangibles that he brought to the game, the work rate, the, 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 the hustle was just unprecedented um, from what we've seen over the last few years. And I'm looking forward to see what else we get from him um, so, in the years to come. I, I know that was uh, only a uh, vote of one of one, but yeah. I want to throw another name out there that mm-hmm. I thought uh, his work rate was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was Angus Taylor. Oh, I agree with that, too. The like guy said, just ran and ran and ran as a pressing forward. And I, I thought he was playing a little more out of position as a center forward. I thought he was a great winger, um, but did did the job that he was asked to do. I think he had I think he had about like five goals on the year. Yeah, he had five goals on the year. Brings his tally up to seven uh, in, the, in an Armada uniform for the past two seasons. So... I just wanted to give him recognition for he, he did a lot of great work. Yeah, I had three, like I said, three Even on though my list. Dad's he was, award. He was, he was the one of three. Yeah, don't try to hijack my award, all right? <laughs> Jesus. All right. So now this is something we came up with on the fly just recently, and um, there's some controversial voting of this. Like I said, there's only three of us that that, uh, that did this, but uh, yeah, it came out a little bit. Uh, Controversial, and somehow we ended up with a four-way tie. Derek, you want to explain how we came up with a four-way tie? Yeah, we we all voted one person, and we couldn't figure it out. We all had three different people, so we did a weighted. We all picked three people and did a weighted one, and all of a sudden we had a four-way tie with uh er, everyone had a different list of uh for this award. So the awards the homegrown players. This is for. The Jacksonville kids that came up coming through the system, like this is big, like important to me. I, I think I love, I love the all the international talent and the players from all over the country that that have come in and represented our city. But for me, it, it's always always down to the kids in the in the community coming up and just showing out for for their city. So, um, but. Like he said, we ended up coming up with a four-way tie in a max point or max of nine points that you can get. We had four people that got four points in one way or another, and in no particular order, these are the four that we came up with: Miles Shanley, Cole Reasonover, Micah Thomas, Gavin Penzone. All of them Jacksonville kids or First Coast kids, because I think uh, Miles was a uh, uh, St. John's County. And, yeah, and I think Micah is a Pontevedra kid. So we'll say First Coast kids came up through the area and just representing the, the city that they came up with. First Coast men. Special yeah. nod to all y'all. And they're they're all kids. Even though like Cole Cole Reasonover has been here since like twenty nineteen. Like he, he was here when Pat Cannon was the coach of the U twenty three team. 
So it's love that kid. So I'm excited to see what he does at JU this upcoming year. So, but Cole's at JU, Miles at Flagler, Gavin's going to Holy Cross this next year. Micah just signed with uh, UConn this in the past couple days. So, like, so much talent and su- such young young men that are showing out. Congratulations to them. Yeah. And there's no actual, like, award awards for these guys. So, uh, sorry. Just our respect and admiration. Yes. So hats off it, to ju- you. You will always go down as the first for all of these. That's true. <laughs> you will all be the inaugural winners. Yeah. So I, I do want to call out the Section 904 had their awards party. There were three awards that were given out to the players. The player of the year ended up being Edu Coimbra. Uh, Section 904's offensive player of the year was uh, Giancarlo Vaccaro. And Section 904's defensive player of the year ended up being uh, Miles Shanley. So congratulations to those guys. Uh, I believe it was held at. Gray Matter Distillery up in uh, Atlantic Beach. So go check out that place. They were a great host. Nice little venue there if you're ever out that way off of Mayport Road. Go check them out. They're great people. So, All right, now we're going to move on to the MPSL playoffs. We're going to talk a little bit about how that shook out. So, Derek, why don't you start us off? All right, so I'll start out with the East region. Uh, Keystone East Conference. FC Motown and Atlantic City got a bye in the conference semifinals. They just had a finals. Uh, FC Motown won 3 nothing out of there. In the North Atlantic Conference, it was Hartford City beat New York Shockers 2-1 to in the semifinals and played the top seed Kingston Stockade. Hartford City won that game against Kingston Stockade 2-1 to in the Mid-Atlantic Conference. It was uh, Atlantic Blues or Annapolis Blues beating Grove United four to one, and then um, three seed uh, Greenville United and Alexandria Reds played to a zero zero draw, but the Red Alexandria ended up winning on PKs five to three in the final of the Atlantic Conference. Ended up going as a two two draw, with Annapolis Blues winning uh, four to two in PKs. In the Keystone West Conference, uh, both Westchester United FC and Hershey FC did not have a semifinal game. They played each other in the final, which Westchester United FC won 2-1. to one. In the regional semifinals, we had FC Motown out of the Keystone East Conference defeating uh, Hartford City 4-2. to two. And on the other side of the bracket, we had Westchester United winning 4-0 over Annapolis Blues. In the regional finals, we had the ninth overall seed, Westchester United, uh, winning 4-1 over sixth seed Motown FC, or FC Motown, 4-1. In the NPSL South, uh, we had the Sunshine Conference, where Naples United FC had an automatic buy all the way through their conference playoffs due to a lack of teams. Uh, in the Southeast Conference, you had... Apotheos FC, 4. Charlottetown Hops FC, 1. You also had in the other semi semifinal of the Southeast Conference, you had Appalachian FC, 2, to Georgia Revolution, 3. That led to a Southeast Conference final of Apotheos FC, 4, Georgia Revolution, 3. And 
that led to a Southeast versus Sunshine Conference uh, matchup of Naples United FC 0 to Apotheos FC 1. Uh, in the Gulf Coast Conference, you had Southern States SC 3, Tallahassee SC 2, our beloved Jacksonville Armada FC uh, 0 against Pensacola FC 3. That led to a Gulf Coast Conference final of Southern States SC 5 to Pensacola FC 0. Southern States SC advances. In the Lone Star Conference, you had a semi semifinal matchup of Labak Matadors 6 to Corinthians FC of San Antonio 0. You also had the other semi matchup of Brownsville NPSL 2 to West Texas FC 1. A Lone Star Conference final of Lubbock Matador 0 to Brownsville NPSL 1. Uh, that led to an NPSL South Region semifinal of Southern States SC 2 to Brownsville NPSL 0. Uh, and then in the South Region final, Apotheos FC 2, Southern, S- Southern States SC 1, Apotheos FC 1, the NPSL South Region. Moving on to the Midwest region we had in the great lakes conference steel city fc had a bye in their semifinal matchup and cleveland fc won to michigan rangers fc zero in the other semifinal and uh, the great lakes conference finally had steel city fc two to cleveland fc zero in the north conference you had duluth fc five to minnesota twin stars fc one in the other semi matchup for the North Conference, you had Dakota Fusion FC 0 to Med City FC 2. That led to a North Conference final of Med City FC 2 to Duluth FC 1. And that brought a Midwest uh, semi final matchup of Steel City FC 0, Med City FC 0. They advanced to PKs where Steel City FC moved on with a, with a score of 6 over 5. Elsewhere in the Midwest, you had the Gateway Conference, in which it went straight to a Gateway Conference final between Des Moines United FC against FC Milwaukee Torrent. Des Moines United FC advanced 2-1. to one. In the Heartland Conference, you had a semifinal matchup of Tulsa Athletic against Demise NPSL. Tulsa Athletic advanced on a score of 2 to nothing. And the other Heartland Conference semi-matchup, you had OKC 1889 FC 2 to Kansas City Seoul 1. That led to a Heartland Conference final of Tulsa Athletic 2 to OKC 1889 FC 1. That led to a Midwest semi-final region uh, where Des Moines United FC scored 3 to Tulsa Athletics 4. Finally, that results in a Midwest region final where Tulsa Athletic scored two over Steel City FC's one, and Tulsa Athletic won the Midwest region. So now we get out west, which out west does it a little different. There's only three conferences out there. Um, They have the Southwest, the Northwest Conference that they ended up playing each other, and then the Golden State Conference had eight teams make the playoffs. They had a, uh, the third round was their final. So in the first round for the Southwest conference, uh, that both teams get a bye. it's going to be FC Arizona winning three, nothing over California Odyssey SC. And in the Northwest conference, crossfire red ends up being the team of choice for the conference, uh, going all the way into the semifinal. In the Golden Gate Conference, in the first round, we had El Farolito 
beating Soul County Soul FC three to one. FC Davis beating San Ramon FC two to zero. We also had Napa Valley defeating Sacramento Gold FC three to one, and then Oakland Stomper Storm Stompers two versus Oakland SC one. Uh, the Golden Golden Gate Conference semifinal would have Alfredo 4 over FC Davis 2 and Napa Valley winning 3 to nothing over the o- Oakland Stompers. That set up the regional semifinals which we had Crossfire Red winning 2 to 1 over FC Arizona and the Golden Conference Golden Gate Conference champs Alfredo which was the second overall top seed won one to nothing over Napa Valley. In the West Final, we had an upset with Crossfire Red winning three to two over El Ferrito. So now we're down to the final four. So we have the top seed is going to be uh, Westchester United SC facing the fourth seed Apotheos. Apotheos FC. FC. And the other final would be Tulsa Athletic as the two seed versus Crossfire Red as a three seed. So um, in terms of overall standings, uh, Westchester was nine, Apotheos was 19, Tulsa was 12, Crossfire Red was 15. In the first semifinal, Apotheos FC won three to one on the road. And in the other final, Tulsa Athletic put a hurting on Crossfire Red, won four to nothing. So we actually have a final coming up this upcoming weekend, hosted in Tulsa. Tulsa Athletic, which is kind of ironic because they're going back and forth with the NPSL earlier this year about the Love field it. versus uh, Apotheos FC, which has a former Jacksonville Armada player on it. This is news to me. So if you remember some of you old school guys that have been following the team since the baseball stadium days, Jaime Castrione, former Armada player. Who? Jaime Castrione. Who? Oh, come Jaime. on, man. Jaime. <laughs> Bro. I have a Jaime Castrione top I got. I think I won it in a raffle. If I'm not mistaken, he scored the one goal against Naples on a PK to upset Naples in the South Regional uh, semifinal game. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was kind of exciting to see a uh, former Armada player knocking out uh, old Naples rival um, and then also beating Southern States as well. So um, I think he's like 30 or so, but it's great to see we have a former Armada player in the final. So uh, there's something for us as fans to, to root for. Apotheos, but who are based out of Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure what part of Georgia. Are you saying it's wrong to root for Tulsa Athletic? I'm still kind of butthurt that we outplayed them last year and lost that game two to nothing. I don't know about us outplaying them. I thought we outplayed them. I think their keeper stood on his head that game. But I I don't have Derek Vision, but (laughs) their keeper is the best keeper in the NPSL, hands down. I may have a heart for Sonny D'Alessandro, though. There you go. That was Is that the owner? Cool. Yeah, he yeah. just took, took my, my, uh, the words right out of my mouth. Uh, he's a stand-up yeah. guy. Uh, came and tailgated with us. Uh, we uh, are connected on Twitter. He uh, has messaged me a few times to see how things are going down here. Like I said, stand-up dude. 
Sure. Maybe, maybe uh, since we're connected with him, we should uh, invite him on the podcast. Uh, win or lose on this Ooh, next yeah. match, maybe maybe we can God, cover this game since we we'll, we need to provide content over the next uh, forever. <laughs> we can yeah. watch this one game uh, this upcoming Saturday and kind of give feedback on this game. Yeah, I think I think we might be able to do that. I can reach out to him, you know, after. I'm sure he's got a lot on his plate right now. We'll reach out to him afterwards and see if we can get him on. So I, I do love the fact that they are fielding a NP or UPSL team that won't be consistent of the college players, and they're going to be using nothing but local kids in the area. Um, and they're also going to be moved back to their home ground, which I guess they don't need to spend that 25k on that fence anymore. We'll see so how that it, all plays out. Yeah, I, I kind of want to ask him about that. Yeah, it might be interesting if we can talk a little about that and just about his his journey in, in Limer League soccer. For for those who don't follow them, they were the team that lasted the longest of all non-professional teams in the United States Open Cup tournament. Mm-hmm. So, and the team that lasts the longest for each level in U.S. soccer gets $25,000. So they were, that was the money that was able to go to the club. They were supposed they were going to build a fence around the their they play in a public park. Um and part of the NPSL rules is you have you can't play in a public park. Um and they were going to build a fence around it, the stadium so that they can have ticket revenue. I'm just now looking up to see who they beat uh in the Open Cup cuz they had to have beaten a professional team. Oh yeah. So I don't know if it was MLS though. I'm looking. I up. believe they beat Tulsa FC, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right, but who knows? While Brian's looking, will Derek, you want to sing us a song? Sing us a song. Okay, let's so jump. Okay, oh, sorry, we just lost all our listeners. Sing us a hurry, song Brian. tonight. Hurry, Brian. Out the pressure. I know. Hurry. Yeah, they beat FC Tulsa. You oh! championship club. I didn't even have to look that up. And then I think they lost to Chicago. No, or... Kansas City. Sporting Kansas City. Kansas City. All right. So I, I'm going to do a uh, quick little pivot that these guys have no, have no, didn't even know this was coming. If you guys change one thing in the NPSL, what would it be? Oh, God. Good good question. I, I would say for us, um, a larger conference to play in with a longer season. You know, if, if, a longer season isn't on the table. Oh, how about Yeah, because, I mean, it's it's like you do in the summer league. They're not going to change that. So I, I kind of agree with that. So hear me out on this. So two years ago, we played 14 games. Last year, we played 10 uh, or 12. This year, we played 10. I think every team should have to play 14 games. I think they should have interconference matchups during the season, kind of how, like, college football does it. Like you, you play your conference games, but you also play out of conference games, so we can see which conferences are better before the playoffs start. But the issue is you have the short window of availability for these players. I'm, I'm saying so. 14 games. Every every team plays 14 games. Every team, and for for us in Jacksonville, like the closest drive for us is three hours. The second closest drive for us is five hours. There are team like the teams in South Florida are all five to seven hours, which is, and even the teams in the Southeast Conference in Georgia would be five to seven hours from us. The teams at our own conference, two, three of them are at least six hours away. 
two of them are seven and a half hours away in New Orleans and Hattiesburg. Like it can be done. Like we should we should get some cross conference matchups during the season, even if it's before and then shrink down everything. And I also have another thing: yellow cards. Bring back yellow card suspensions. Don't do away with it. It's going to lead to more time wasting tactics for teams that are up. I'm just and I'm off my in. soapbox. Just soaking that in. Uh, you know, like I said before, you know, a longer season, and you kind of address that. But I, I would hope we, you know, we, you know, and the only way we get that is we get more teams, right? So growth, um, growth yeah. of the NPSL would, would be the thing I would help you with more because, uh, you know, it's right. Been, but wouldn't you guys, even if Naples isn't in our conference, wouldn't you want to make a trip down to Naples? Or up once. to Georgia, or what if team was up in Savannah? Like, it, it's that drive down you're, you're also, boring. yes. But what if we had drives you're, you're down? Also, you're also talking about towns that don't have a team. You know, like Naples has a team. Miami Na- has no, like Naples three. Naples has a team. Savannah. You know, I'm just well, saying. Like, uh, I'm just throwing probably out. Probably like, not gonna have a Nisa team much longer, so we won't get into that. But, uh, but right, yeah, an NPSL team. Who knows? Shout out to Alex Aridis for being a Savannah's uh, player of the month. All right. It's a low bar. Man, and, uh, have some, keep it positive, bro. Jeez. I'm congratulating the guy, and you're out here throwing daggers. I thought that was my job. <laughs> I do have a, a, a hot, uh, some breaking news. Uh, according to Twitter, Jack Burns is leaving Northeast Florida, so... Uh, one of the Armada coaches, I, I, his tweet didn't say. He just said he wanted to thank everyone, you know, as he can, as he moves away from Northeast Florida. So I'm checking yeah. his LinkedIn right now. Yep, so I'm not sure where he got paid. He didn't mention that in Twitter, but so we've uh, a uh, undefeated Armada head coach uh, leaving the area. Yeah, so we're down to uh, Maddie Isles as Maddie our. Isles. Uh, so all right, so I we're going to. We're going to wrap this up because this has been our longest episode to date, and we want to thank everyone for listening. Stay tuned as we uh, figure out what we're going to do for our next episode. We may be doing a, uh, like we talked about before, a little bit of a recap of the NPSL final and um, see if we can uh, come up with some content. You guys have anything, anything to close? You know, I'm glad we had a season. I'll say that. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad too. I'm quite happy with that and looking forward. We've got a long ways to look forward to next season. A lot of uh, things are in the works uh, for the club and uh, we'll kind of run along with that. It's a, it's a journey. So we're going to Live, love, laugh. So okay. Jack Burns LinkedIn is not updated yet, but he does have a good buy post on there as well yeah. for those uh, listening. Yeah. Shout out to Tommy Krasanovich. Thank you. You're awesome. Winning percentage in the NPSL, 81%. Three straight playoff appearances. You're a legend. Thank you so much for joining us this week. You're awesome. All right, so we're going to close it out with a go Armada. Vamos Armada. Vamos Armada. Bye. Go Armada!